Hey, what is going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Nosy AF Podcast. It is your friend, Stephanie. And this week, we are speaking to no other than Mr. Scott Tanner Jones, who's a filmmaker based out of LA. So Scott and I went to college together, and he's very funny, at least I think so. And we're going to talk about problematic hipsters. We're going to talk about his new web series, Carbone, which is about this crass LAPD detective. And, um... Yeah. Oh, and I actually sort of asked him about what it's like to be a white boy in today's political climate. Just curious, you know, being nosy. Anywho, let's get into this interview. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. Okay, so you're a filmmaker and we went to college together. Mm-hmm. And now you're in L.A. making films. So can yeah. you tell us, can you tell us how you ended up in L.A.? Well, yeah. You kind of have to, don't you, if you want to be in film. It's just it's your limited resources outside of that. I mean, I, I suppose you could do New York, but I was in Chicago, and for what I wanted to do, which was like writing, directing, um, it's a little it's harder out there. It's not impossible, but um, you're more where the action is and where people could help you and where crew members are readily available um otherwise like in in chicago you'd have crews coming in for shows and such um and sometimes they'll bring their own people or sometimes they'll hire there but i was not necessarily a crew member as a writer or director or even producer i was i i wasn't a utility player so uh just was a necessity and by the time i moved out here i actually had more friends here than chicago because they all came out here from film Mm -hmm. so it was just it was just a no-brainer were you scared no it was actually that trip was one of the best trips of my life um it was just like so full of possibility and everything it was actually 10 years ago i just celebrated my 10-year anniversary here And um, the old adage is it takes ten at least ten years, which so I'm happy to reach my ten years. But like I just remember driving across and just, just I've, I've never felt so hopeful in quite a while when that happened. Did you drive by yourself? I did. I had my cat with me, but that doesn't count. Um, no, but cats yeah. count. <laughs> I saw a guy today that had a Nike shirt and the swoosh, and then it said cats on it. It's pretty good. Okay, I'm not that hardcore about cats, but... Oh, it seems um, like people are really hardcore about cats, though. Yeah, and those people are weird. I'm not one of them. Um, this, this is my last cat, so... <laughs> oh, my God. What are you going to get after the cat? Um, I'm going to live a life without... Poop and pee being cleaned once a day Man. for a while. For a while. Hmm. No litter crumbs and stuff like that. I'm, I need that. I'm looking forward to that. Do you think as a single girl I should have a cat? Um, I don't I, – no. Because I feel <laughs> like once you have one – I think you'll be like, I need all the cats, and then you'll be a crazy cat lady. Yeah, see, I remember, like, did you ever watch this show, Millionaire Matchmaker? 
I did not. Oh, my God. It was so good. It was a reality show at this matchmaker. And she was not having it about the single people with cats. And I sort of, like, adopted that idea. I was like, you know what? She makes a really good point. And then, like, when I see chicks that have, like, two cats and stuff, and I don't have pets now, but I'm like, should I get a cat because I can't have dogs in my building? I always think about the millionaire matchmaker, not not with it with the single girls and cats. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people start feeling like, oh, the cat's lonely when you're gone, and could be true. <laughs> my cat could be lonely, but um, I don't think so. But What's your cat's yeah. name? Lola. Oh, that's a good name. Yeah, she's 13, maybe? Oh. She's up there. So, are you making films all the time? No. No, my problem is, like, once I write something, I really want to make it. So, it doesn't... It, there's, I mean, there's gaps in between things. And it's hard, like, so far I'm self-funded, which isn't the best. Um, so, it just takes time in between. Like, you... I do something and then I you have to it takes a while to promote things and like you get out to festivals and stuff like that so once it's done you might be still like pushing it for a year or two depending on what that project is and then you're maybe pay on off debts and then trying to get the next thing going like the carbone project we it was written in 2013 but we didn't release anything till 2015 Oh, wow. Can you tell my audience about your Carbone project? Carbone is a web series. It's based on these two uh, short films that I did. It's about a Los Angeles cop who's um, everything negative you can think of. Homophobic, <laughs> um, racist, um, misogynistic, all that stuff. I'm trying to make a Archie Bunker in a modern world. Mm. And it originally started as a comedy version of The Wire. Um, oh but <laughs> it deviated from that because I just don't know enough about that. But the the Archie Bunker world, um, there's no better place to set that than with cops because you can take on any subject and they're so close to it and, yeah. and everything. So um, it's a lot of fun. Like I first... Reading it in 2013, those were the Obama years, and now that we're in the Trump years, if Ugh. I if I write a second season, I have way more ideas. So, I wonder what Archie Bunker would think about. Do you think he would like Trump? Oh yeah, but the thing is, like, I don't I don't know Archie Bunker that well because he's very difficult to. It's very difficult to find ways to watch the all the Norman Lear shows. For some reason, they're not readily available to stream or anything. Hmm, that's interesting. But I, I mean, do see clips. Because Archie Bunker, like, because that show, All in the Family, it's so funny that you forget how hateful Archie really is because oh, yeah. of all these people that are around him. And so it it's sort of shocking to me to think that he really would be a Trump supporter. Oh, I mean, Roseanne's a Trump supporter now, so yeah, it's, I I don't think it's a, a leap because there's a there was a clip going around with gun control 
or he was talking about like arming something that was it was similar to arming teachers that was his thing and it was said as a joke back in 1971 or whenever it came out and that clip went viral and so of course he would be a trump supporter because it's thinking the way he is yeah i guess there's like a way to think about being loving and a trump supporter right because you just i don't see that at all i think it's like somebody like really hateful and really mean and you could be a loving person and still be a Trump supporter, maybe? Well, you can. I mean... It's like, hard to believe. My family's, my family's that way, and I don't think they're... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't think they're hateful people. Um, and I, I've watched episodes of the new Roseanne, and I don't think it um, is full-on a Trump-supporting show. I think the characters just happen to be tr- Trump supporters, but you've got people behind it like... Um, Whitney Cummings and um, what's her name? Wanda Sykes. They're oh. consulting on that show, and I just don't see them as being Trump supporters. I'd be stunned. Yeah. So, so there's there's different voices. I mean, um, even Sarah Gilbert's a lesbian in in real life. So, yeah. I mean, what's she thinking? So, I think it's been actually very fair. Um. I don't think it's necessarily a good show, but, like, I don't think it's full-on Trump-supporting. Yeah. Well, it just made me realize, like, oh, yeah, there are normal, regular folks that could just be Trump supporters because, again, I always equate it to somebody that's, like, running around yelling a bunch of racial slurs and, like, being mean. But that's not yeah. the truth. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's some of it. Um <laughs> But I think it's just, I don't know, people are, people are made to be scared. It's like the news they're getting and they're just misinformed and they don't break bread with people who are different from them. Yeah. Which is, it brings it back to Carbone. It's, that's kind of what I wanted to do with Carbone is make it like a Breaking Bread show. I should just call it Breaking Bread so people think <laughs> it's Breaking Bad. Yeah. But um, he's... I- he has to come up against people who are different from them and know them as people. And I think that makes a huge difference in your life. Whereas like a Trump supporter, maybe they come from a small town and it's like an all white town. And the only thing they really know about say like Muslims are what they see on TV, but they don't actually meet any of them. And <laughs> I, it's totally different. It's like I came like when we met, I came from Iowa and I went to Chicago, and Chicago's a great melting pot. I love Chicago. Um, definitely bigger melting pot for me than Los Angeles. Mm. Um, and it just it just opened my eyes, and I met people, and I'm like, oh, I was supposed to be afraid of you, but I'm not. I'm not afraid of you. And yeah. I don't. It's, it's just it's they make a bigger de- deal out of things than actually is did you really have that thought in meeting people thinking like i'm supposed to be afraid of you and i'm not um i i never was afraid of people but i you just you grow up hearing like certain things and then you meet people and you're like oh i'm i mean i it's hard it's hard to explain it like i i came at it at face value and i wasn't scared to begin with but then like 
when you meet people, you're like, oh, I shouldn't, there shouldn't be any fear. And like, I just don't see what's wrong. Mm. Yeah. So you like never like saw somebody screamed and then like ran off. Hi. <laughs> no, I would never. <laughs> I would never do that. <laughs> I would do that now with like, uh, I'm a lonely white male. I'd be like, no, and then I'd run probably because he's probably gonna kill me. But that's. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! You know what I wondered? As a white guy, is you know like how everybody's talking white privilege, white privilege. I wonder if white guys, maybe not necessarily you, but if white guys are always like, quit saying that. You guys don't know what I've been through. Um, yeah, I think most of them do. I'm not that way. Um, I feel like as a white male, you realize that the, the line has been the like uh, the goalpost has moved been moved in your favor and on certain points along your way, like, oh, it's in my favor. And you try, if you're open, you try to move it. And you continually along the way, you realize, like, the goalpost is just moved in your favor. Like, after Me Too, I was just like, oh, wow. Like, I don't struggle with certain things. And, like, I have more advantages. Just you keep realizing that if you're open to it. Hmm. And when you when the, the goalposts, start moving to where they're more fair if you've been used to privilege when it starts becoming more fair it feels like oppression to a lot of these white men hmm. and it's not it's just evening the playing field but people do not like that people are inherently selfish and <laughs> yeah i just like wonder if there's i remember one time i was working at this place i won't say the name because i'm just gonna give away the person but I, he was feeling really frustrated and he was like almost suicidal. And, you know, now when you say like white privilege stuff, I know that he'd have like all these, he had all these insecurities where I'm like, man, I wonder how he feels about all this because I know that he had like a hard time getting through film school and, and making stuff. But, hmm. you know. Because he's, he might be like, well, I didn't have any, I didn't have any help, and and I felt bad about myself, and I tried to kill myself when I wasn't getting film jobs. I remember because he didn't come to work one day because he had a, a problem, and I'm hmm. like, so I just wonder that kind of stuff, like what he thinks, because because then now, right, like he survived and everything, and he's working in film, but, you know, if he, he and he tries to have conversation, like he's trying to be open. Yeah. And have these things, but then he just gets, you know, <laughs> people just are like, well, whatever, you're a white man, you have privilege, you know, and he's like, um, I'm trying, to, I'm, I'm trying <laughs> here, you know, and so it's just like, damn, like, <laughs> homie can't catch a, a break, but then maybe even me saying that, somebody might be like, well, well who cares, because he should just have, have privilege, you know, and it's like. I mean, it's, it's, you can be sensitive to them, like, um, I feel like i had entitlement and i felt i felt entitlement whether it was like white entitlement or just general entitlement within like a white bubble of having grown up in iowa or something like that and it took me years to like 
kind of let that go. It only really happened recently. And what was good about like kind of letting go of that is then when like I used to be like, like, well, why did that person get it and not me? Why am I so why am I so unlucky? Stuff like that. I used to think that and I used to be more down. You might have known me during some down periods. Mm -hmm. And the more I let go of that. (laughs) (laughs) Good time. (laughs) The the more I let go of the entitlement and the the privilege, when something good would happen to me, I felt like so happy and grateful. Mm -hmm. And so it's so much nicer now. It's just like, oh, cool. Look what some great thing happened to me. And then it started like, happening more often good things because hmm. I was just less of a dick I was less of whiny and like when you're less that way people want to be around you more yeah whereas like if you're just bitching about everything and negative like people are like Ooh, get out <laughs> get this guy away from me <laughs> so um that's like when with all these like angry white men like I kind of just want to say like just let it go because it gets so much better like your things come better to you like you're more dateable <laughs> everything like it's just yeah it's, yeah it's maybe we should have like a white boy mindset class and it could be like <laughs> a a video series and you could be like welcome to the oh, mindset no. class. <laughs> no, someone else teach that class. I don't. <laughs> you don't want to teach other white boys how to be cooler white boys? No, because they'd all want to be graved on the curve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. I didn't I'll, even I'll think about that. teach advanced classes. I don't want to teach the, the ones out of the gate. <laughs> advanced classes. I like that. That's really interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Well, whatever. <laughs> all right, fine. I, so I won't have sympathy for white guys anymore. I mean, we're all in this together, and the, better, the more you realize that, the better your life will be. Yeah, I'm glad you realized that. And the thing is, if you realize that, it's actually to your advantage, because most people, most people don't. Most people are very negative and just spiral out. Yeah. I mean, we have whole media things that, like, encourage that. And the people, like, that encourage that, they make money. But then the people that follow them and stuff, they, they're they just losing as a result. They're going to be cuckoo birds. Anger and rage is, a, is big business. It's big bucks. And that's the sad thing. It's just, like, people make a lot of money out of people being miserable. Yeah, that's really sad. Mm-hmm. So, do you talk to your family? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Because, you know, like, I uh, hear... Another thing I hear white people say is that they stop talking to their... If they have Trump-supporting family and they, like, are deleting their brothers and stuff off Facebook. And I'm um, like, that that's pretty... I feel... <laughs> I feel like if you're deleting your brother off Facebook and you've been Facebook friends to your brother for, like, a million years... That's pretty extreme to delete your brother yeah, and block I, him I, and stuff. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. I mean, I don't, I don't know how to deal with things. Like to me, Trump is a huge con, and then 
uh, you can say something initially, but then if they like, they're still expecting the uh, Nigerian prince to send them all this money. You just kind of have to sit back and shrug your shoulders and be like, I mean, you'll figure this out in a matter of time. And I'm sorry, but <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, you're overbuilding your ark so you can survive the flood. I just mixed so many metaphors there, but it was deep. Yeah. So wait, did you when you were in when you went to film school at Columbia where we met? Did you study directing, or did you just take general classes? Um, I I think I concentrated in directing. Do you feel like we had good directing programs there? Well, <laughs> see, what's at interesting, the time? Well, I didn't take any directing classes, but I wish I would have. I wish I wouldn't have specialized at all, and I would have just uh, taken classes. Me too. I, I don't feel like there was a good directing track. It didn't feel like solid, whereas screenwriting did, and I didn't concentrate in screenwriting. But I will tell you that all the stuff that they taught me in directing, like beats and stuff, I threw it all out the window. I don't do any of that stuff. Really? What about no. like other – I'm sure you know a lot of other directors. Do they do the whole beats thing? I don't know. I don't think so. I think you just hire smart actors and then you just like talk to them normal or just let them go and I don't know it's just well what's interesting to me is I remember in college okay so like if you're listening and you don't know like film lingo a beat is basically like a breath right like or like a just take a second like right or what's happening in like a moment moment to moment Okay. Yeah. See, you know better than I do. Cause, but see what, but and I had such a hard time understanding this concept. And then when I work, you know, on shows and out here, you know, sometimes directors talk to talent, they'll be like, okay, so you want to say hello, take a beat and then go in. And they sort of say, take a beat as in like, give yourself a second and then go. Yeah. Yeah. There's two different ways to mean, beat, okay. but yeah. Well, but there was like a beat breakdown. It's called a beat breakdown. Maybe it's Googleable or something. But it was like you answer five questions, and you do it like every two lines. Oh my! And God. you write this out, and it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess it works for some people. I think it's stupid. Um, it's just you're just I don't know. It just didn't work for me. But whatever. What kind? Do you know, okay, so there's this director actually in L.A. His name's Jordan Brady, and he has a podcast called Respect the Process. And he does commercial directing because I've been really, like, looking into, like, directing commercials. And his thing is to – his his, his his he has a book, and in the book he says to directors should put themselves in a box, right? He's like, it's just better if you put yourself in a box, what kind of director would you say you were? Because he says it's just easier that way to say, like, you're the, uh, especially for commercials, I know you're not commercials, but he's like, you're the giraffe guy. You're the funny dialogue guy. Like, what kind of director are you? I think for commercials, that's exactly the right thing to do because there's certain directors, they'll just do comedy stuff. I have friends who their thing um, that they direct always has a bit of animation to it. So for commercial, I think he's absolutely right. For films, um, 
I think people do end up in that way. Um, like, you know, Mel Brooks will be a comedy and, and, and stuff like that. Um, but for me, I'm, I love genre blends mm-hmm. where it's like comedy horror or drama comedy, um, like where it's two genres at the same time. Um, like a big influence on me is the director Mark, Martin Brest, who did Beverly Hills Cop and Midnight Run. Okay. <laughs> I, those movies, Midnight Run is my favorite movie, but I'll, I'll use Beverly Hills Cop as an example. Um, it's an Eddie Murphy movie, and Eddie Murphy's like, that was him at peak Eddie Murphy. Yeah. But there's moments where he gets real. Mm. Like when his friend is brutally mur- murdered in that movie, and you see it, he's just shot in the back of the head. Wow. In this comedy, this studio comedy, but like when Eddie Murphy has to talk about his friend, he gets, he gets, he was like 23 when he made that movie. Wow. Which is bananas, but, um, so I don't want to be someone who's like, you just have to be comedy. Then I try to bring that to Carbone. You can see that influence in Carbone. Yeah. Um, and for me, I would like to direct every genre before I die within reason. Yeah. Like I would love to do a musical and I would love to do a, a comedy and a drama with nothing funny in it, uh, a horror movie. But you can't really do that because it wasn't like Russ Craven. He kept doing horror, but he kind of really wanted to do a drama. And he finally did this like music of my heart, Meryl Streep movie. <laughs> and they were like, all right, Wes Craven, you can do this one movie, but get back to like Scream 4. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yikes. Um, so and I think that's a lofty goal, but it's it's one of mine. But. I'm trying to think if there's a director that has switched gears. I know Ang Lee is kind of like that way. Mm-hmm. Because he did, like, The Hulk, and then he did, like, Couching Tiger and Ice Storm and stuff like that. Oh, He's yeah, that's example. true. Yeah, yeah, it has, like, a good scope of work. I wondered if people expect you to be – because you, like, do comedy and you're funny, but do people expect you to be funny all the time? Um, no, because I don't, I mean, sometimes you're just naturally funny Yeah. where people just start laughing and you're saying like, oh, my dog died and they start laughing. Like, it's just, <laughs> there's just that, that thing, but I don't, I don't feel that pressure and I can get real, I can't get spiritual or something like that. Um. Like, people recognized I was funny before I did because when I started out, I did more drama y films and I wrote more dramas. Mm-hmm. And then people kept casting me to be funny. And I remember when I finally made a comedy, one of my friends was like, Oh, finally. And then I started doing like, I would do stand up here and there and stuff like that. And it was, it was finally a more natural fit, but it took me like 15 years into doing this to yeah. realize it. did you like doing stand-up i did but i think if you're gonna do stand-up you have to go up every night yeah and like you don't get on till like midnight and i just i can't do that i'm not that committed because i know in my heart of hearts 
if I had to choose one thing, I'd be a writer. Yeah. Um, so it's low on the list, and I can't commit to it as much. But I'll do it here and there. I haven't done it in a while. But yeah. But I'll do it here and there just because, like, if you make a film, it could take six months to two years before you see how people react to it. Whereas you do stand-up, like, I'm going to go down and get a laugh that night. I'm going to get instant. You know what? In this business, I say give people as many obstacles as possible, including me, because too many people want to do this for the wrong reasons, and the sooner you weed them out, the better. Like they say, if you can find anything else you want to do, do it, because this is not for the weak of heart. Yeah. And just obstacles are good, and... Like, I feel the strong survive. Like, you really want to do it, and you really have to suffer for your art. Like, I've never technically made it, but I just I feel good now. Like, I, I made a feature that went nowhere, but that was one of the best things that happened to me because afterwards I'm like, oh, I still want to do this. Yeah. And that's nice. And, like, I mean, it didn't go anywhere like, what do you mean? Because you could still show it, right? Like, is it just sitting on your shelf? Um, you can watch it online, but it's it's problematic. Like, there's there's some stuff I love, um, but I think it should have been just. It's kind of like a filmed play, but the parts that deviate from the play are the weakest parts to me. It should have been like a bottled episode with three characters. Hmm. Um, and that's where it's strongest. Um, well, but that's could, my opinion. Like We can still put it in the show notes and let people check it out. Yeah, I don't know if there's a... I don't know if it's still online. I haven't checked. It's called Take Care. Mm. Oh, hey. It's Stephanie here. I know I'm interrupting a conversation, but I just really want to take a little brief moment to let you know that I think you're fly, I think you're beautiful, I love you, you're amazing, you're gonna do good shit today, you're the bomb baby, don't let those haters hate on you, they ain't got nothing on you, your budget is popping, your clothes are popping, your man is popping, your lady's popping, your car is popping, and you are the flyest thing walking on these streets, that's it wanted to boost your ego a little bit because you know what self-esteem is real y'all and it's important okay now do me a favor go out there today and tell somebody that you think they are the jazziest mother in the land all right let's get back to talking to scott how do you feel about okay one more question how do you feel like when you put yourself in your because a lot of times you'll be in your films too yeah how does that was what's that decision like for you to put yourself in your work versus just like especially for Carbone like you know you're in that you're in that series like how come how do you decide to choose yourself over casting someone Well Carbone started as these this uh, little short films I did and I did them as just a little thing I didn't think they'd be anything bigger than they were Mm-hmm. But it was the one project where it really hit with people. And that's why it came back. It's just people love that character and want to see something more happen with it. Um, so it kind of grew beyond what I originally intended. It was just supposed to be like a little joke film. Mm. And I'd go back to doing whatever. Um, so in a way, I shot myself in the foot by acting in it. I don't mind acting, but 
um, when you're also directing, it gets a little hard. Yeah. So. Do you like look at yourself and tell yourself like, I need more passion? Oh, no, I've never done that. I've actually been (laughs) been fine. I've been fine with my performances so far. Um, I mean, I wrote it, so I know exactly how to perform it. Um, And it's comedy. If it's if it's drama, I would not have the confidence to do it. I just when I look, I've seen me be in dramas and. It just it feels weird to watch. It feels insincere to me. It might not be to anybody else, but I see myself acting where where if I'm just being silly like in Carbone, it's even when I'm serious in Carbone, it's still it, I can still play for me. Hmm. So if there was somebody that was going to be filmmaking now, what kind of advice would you give them? Um I mean, it's hard. I don't think there's any right way to work in this business. I think you just have to. You just have to keep going. Well, you have to move. The, well, sure. Um, the way I see it is this: it's um, having a career in film is like dating. Um, you'll date someone here, and you'll date someone here. And then you'll be a period where you don't date and you'll have a girlfriend here. There are different little successes with different little people. And eventually you may get married. Mm. But it may take a while. Yeah. Currently, I, I'm in the dating phase of my career. Yeah. Um, so you could get, get married. And then you could also get divorced and get remarried again. Or you could stay divorced. Like, just it's such an up and down roller coaster. And as you're like dating to get married, you have to like it's the same with dating if you are really bitter about an ex it's going to hold you back for your other anybody else you could date mm. mm-hmm. but if you had a good relationship and you can still talk and like you you ended as friends or you could be pleasant with each other you take something from that that makes you a better person and that's yeah. what filmmaking is but if you get real bitter about something like i should have been somewhere else it's going to hold you back wow that's good. Okay. Well, thanks. Now, listen, I have a few questions in this little mini lightning round, these white people questions. Oh. You can pass on them if you want, but what did you call it? Hipster racism? Oh, yeah. Hipster. Uh, it's it's not my thing. I know um, it's not. I know it's not. But can you say hipster? Can you explain to the people hipster racism? It's someone attributed it to Lena Dunham, and so I contacted oh, you about it, yeah. and I've been I've been guilty. So it could be like hipster racism, hipster homophobia, hipster sexism, stuff like that. I'm guilty of all of them. It's where you make jokes um, that sound racist, even though you're not racist. Yeah. Or you're or homophobic or something like that. Um. And then you're just like, ha, 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 but I'm not racist. I don't believe that way. But you're still, like, putting it out there in the world. Like, if someone is up against racism all the time, just give them a break from having to listen to something racist, even if it's a joke. Just, like, that's yeah, that's how yeah. it is. So that's <laughs> cool, your hipster racism, your hipster sexism. 
Because it still is sexism. It still brings that negativity, or or it's still racist, homophobic. Stuff yeah, like that. that kind of stuff can get really weird. Like I remember one time I was at a party, and you know we were all deciding to go like to this other bar, and the guy, this like guy I didn't even know, he's like, "Oh, I bet you don't know if you want to go to the bar because you're black, right?" <laughs> and then we were all just like, <laughs> we're all just like, what? Like no. I mean, I, I I feel like I could do that with you because we know each other so well. But it's it's people that do that within with people that they don't know that. Yeah, because well. I didn't even it, I didn't even know him. I didn't even know him. I yeah. met him that night. Then it just feels like flat out racism or flat out whatever sexism, yeah. homophobia. And it's like, dude, why'd you even say that? Like nobody was even thinking that. We're actually trying to figure out if we want to walk down the street or if we can get like eight people in two cars like at this next bar at the same like in a timely matter you know like it was so weird yeah people are so weird but i would encourage people to look up hipster racism the the woman who attributed to lena dunham articulated it so much better than i just did yeah and i just have a question do white people eat popeyes i've never had popeyes shut up shut up no You've never had Popeyes? I was talking about this with somebody the other day. I've never had it. And I'm I'm not opposed, but Are I'm, you I'm... sure? Are you sure you've never had it? You could have you ever been to like a church function? In Iowa, <laughs> but like I don't That's know. casseroles. <laughs> <laughs> um so so wait, Popeyes is like what? Chicken. Okay. Southern fried like, chicken. Like, it's just so good. I just wonder, like... And so what's the difference between it and KFC? Um, I think... I personally think Popeye's has, like, more, like, seasoning, like, spice to it. You know, it has more flavor. But, can I say this? Um, I was... I was... I am all about, still to this day, and I miss it, Harold's Chicken. Uh-huh. In Chicago. Yeah. And I had the hell out of Harold's chicken. So I used to order it with my ex. Um, and they would deliver it to us. And we knew we ordered too much Harold's chicken when the, we opened the door. Got, and the guy looks at us and he goes, you guys love Harold's, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> so between Harold's and Popeye's, what would you say? I would think that they are two. You have to have the taste for. I think I don't think you can compare the two. I think that Harold's Popeyes is quicker to get because they have drive-throughs and stuff. Harold's, well, for sure. I I but you know what I mean. I think Harold's is good, but I also think that Popeyes is good and it's different. You know, and I don't know if I should talk about chicken anymore by myself on here as a black person. <laughs> All right, wait, rate. Between, put them in order between Harold's, Popeyes, Churches, and KFC. Ew, Churches is definitely last. That's what I heard. Then KFC, and then I feel like I think Harold's, and then Popeyes. Really? Okay. There's a. Um, I know where a Popeyes is here. I'm what would do you? What, what would you rate it? Because well, you I've haven't only had, had. Well, you I've only had, had two. Oh, which one? Harold's and what? Churches? No, KFC. <laughs> and I don't, and I'll tell you why I won't have churches because I worked at the Fine Arts Movie Theater in Chicago and one guy came in 
And he's like, oh, I don't feel well. I had churches. And he had diarrhea the whole night. So I'm like, I guess I'm never going to have churches. <laughs> yeah, churches got me sick as a little girl once, too. So I'm not messing with it. Yeah, so that's my whole story with churches. But I'll try Popeye's now. This was literally a conversation at work the other day. Like, what is the one thing you've never had? And mine was Popeye's. Yeah. And Another guy's was Panda Express. <laughs> Oh, man, I remember I dated this guy that really liked Panda Express, and I felt bad because we went to get food, and he really wanted to eat there, and I didn't, and I just made myself order something, and I barely ate it, and I felt bad because he, like, paid for it and stuff, but I didn't want it. I should have just said I'm no, good, like, I'm not have. hungry, but no, I don't want to be rude. There's a reason you're not dating him to this day. Yeah, because of that. <laughs> Yucky. He's probably eating it. He's probably eating it now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> alone um, <laughs> I know so then wait have you heard okay this is the last one person thing just because I have you here and I can ask you these questions all right so I was at this bar the other night this like bar night it's like a networking mixer and it was sort of raining and this guy comes in and he's like hey I hope you don't I hope you don't mind I don't smell like wet dog do I and I'm like what are you talking about he's like you know white people when we're wet we smell like dog haven't you heard that? And it was this white man. I was like, sir, what are you talking about? Like, see, I get people that say crazy stuff to me all the time, and I'm just trying to mind my business. And he's mm. like, you haven't heard that, that white people smell like dog? And I'm like, sir, that's really problematic, and I don't want you to talk to me anymore. And <laughs> and um, and then I looked it up, and it's a thing. Have you heard of that? Never. So weird. People are weird. I think People just, I think all people smell weird when they're in clothes and wet. I think yeah. it's a general thing, but I don't attribute to a general white thing. I know. And he kept, he was like, he was insistent on it. And I was like, you know what? I'm talking to Scott on Monday. I'm going to ask him because I'm not asking this man. No, I've never, never heard of such a thing. All right, cool. Well, this has been good. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, no, it's not as funny. What's funny? You think I did a bad job? No, now I'm really curious about Popeyes. What made you ask that question? Um, what made me ask the question about Popeyes is that, well, first, let me just know. I know why people will eat Popeyes because I've seen them do it. And it's when I have to go to a potluck, like some type of artist mixer and I'm leaving from work I will stop by Popeye's and get like mixed chicken and yeah. because for for mostly because I know when I go to these artist mixers no one's gonna have like a solid like people bring snacks you know like nobody brought like anything people could like really eat so when I bring Popeye's people go crazy over it hmm People just go crazy. They're like, oh my god, did you bring the Popeyes? Oh my god, you brought the Popeyes. Each so it's been it's become my go to for potlucks, especially when I don't have time to make something. Hmm. I feel like when I want chicken, I wouldn't go fast food. Yeah. See, and that's interesting. Like, I know there is fast food, but I feel like because and I guess Popeyes is fast food, but I guess because it's not like and I guess it is sort of on the ready, but I know they sort of, like, can't just have it always out there like that. 
And like, because sometimes yeah. if I go, I have to, like, if I go and order a box chicken, I usually have to wait for a little bit for it, for before I go, so. Well, to me, like, when I went to Harold's, it was, it felt more legit because it wasn't this chain where the chain sends out to all their other chains this frozen chicken. Like, yeah. it felt real. It, it'd be like going to the mom and pop pizza shop rather than Pizza Hut to me. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just, to me, it's better. I know Carol's was a chain in Chicago. I heard they were going to build one out here, which, that was crazy. Wow, really? That but, would be um, so crazy. Yeah. I mean, why not? I don't know. I don't know how I feel about, like, you know, things that are, like, strictly, like, central to a certain location going other places. But I also feel like... Why not? If they, if it's a franchise and somebody wants to bring a Harold's to L.A., I mean, I probably would make a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I They should do that. So you're so, But you're saying Popeye's is more of a black restaurant. I don't think... Maybe, like, it, it becomes this thing where... And, and maybe I've been thinking about fast food restaurants, too, because I had a <laughs> friend that recently bought a Subway, and then I was, mm. like, thinking, like... Oh, you know what? I would want to buy a Taco Bell, but then I'm like, would I really want to buy a Taco Bell? And then I was I was questioning like my ethics. Like I like Taco Bell, but like I don't eat it all the time. But I know that Taco Bell's not healthy, and then I know like Popeyes. I mean, we just have Popeyes often. You know, like you would just get chicken from there, and maybe because it's like a faster place to go, and you can use coupons. Like Harold doesn't have coupons and stuff. I'm starting to think that, like, Chick-fil-A is the white Popeyes. Hmm. I wonder. But you can't get boxes of chicken from Chick-fil-A, can you? No. <clears throat> but See, because, see, you know what? Like, Popeyes, too. Popeyes will do full meals. They'll, mm. you know, they'll, they'll, they can pretty much make, like, make food for you to take home versus, like, Wendy's or anybody else. Like, it's going to be sandwiches and fries. Popeye's has, and KFC too, I guess, but they have, like, the sides, they have chicken. Like, you could really bring it home and you could sit down with your family with it versus, like, McDonald's, you can't do that. With hot sauce and, like, a slice of white bread? Oh, Popeye's doesn't have white bread. They do biscuits. Their biscuits are so good. See, I need the hot sauce and the white bread like Carol's did. And a couple weekends ago, we went to this place called, oh, man, what's it called? Well, it's it's in Chinatown here in L.A., and it took us an hour and 20 minutes to get to the front of the line. Oh, wow. That's how crazy. It was like Nashville hot chicken. Huh. And that's what I want. Huh. Yeah, when you come back here, there's a few um, there's a few chicken spots that have popped up around here. There's another place like Honey Butter Fried Chicken mm. where you put, like, yeah, honey and butter on it. And I guess it sort of ended up as an accident, and then it tasted good, the guy did. <sighs> Like, it, like, happened, like, it, like, knocked into thing, like, when they were catering, and they still tried it, and they liked it, then they, like, tested it out, and so when you get it, it comes with honey and butter to, like, mm. smother on it. See, that sounds good. It's a good But time. I guess if I'm in a, in a crunch, and I want something close to the kind I like, I should be going to Popeye's. I, I think, think you so. changed my world. I think so, because then you can also go, Popeye's, you can make it fast with, like, chicken strips where you can eat on the go. Or you can take, get a full meal with your sides and you can go someplace and you can get enough for your, you know, spooning it out and sharing it family style. 
Mm. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know, maybe for my basic necessity giveaway, I'll give away a Popeye's gift card. I think you need to start a Popeye's-based podcast. (laughs) Put on by the corporation itself. That would be amazing. You're selling me. You got me. I'm in. Yeah, let them know I told you. Money down. Nice. All right, cool. Well, hey, I'm glad you did this. I'm glad I did it, too. Hey, and that concludes another episode of the Nosy AF Podcast. What'd you guys think? Did you learn anything? Did you have fun? Tell me. I would love to know. You could send me an email at stephanie at missgram.com. Please consider sharing the episode. You could rate it on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you're listening. I would love that. Listen. I guess I'll talk to you guys next week. Have a great day. It is such beautiful weather here in Chicago. Man, I'm about to get out there and show my arse. Okay, see you guys next week. Bye.